Hi, Trinity family and friends. This is our daily meditation on 1 Peter. I'm Darian Lockett, and during these difficult times, we're looking at this letter written by the Apostle Peter to provide us with hope in our various trials and our suffering. And today we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the beauty that it brings. Father, though we might be in isolation and away from people we love or jobs that give us a sense of rhythm in our lives um, or just the ability to jump in the car and go where we need to go to shop, um, all those are very dislocating feelings. But Lord, we're, we're grateful for what you've given to us this day. We're thankful for our family. We're thankful for the homes we live in. We're thankful for the, the things you've provided for us. We thank you, God that um, we can begin to look beyond these these difficult moments. But Father, we pray you would be with us. Help us, Lord, to look to your word, to be encouraged, um, to, per- to persevere in, in doing good, um, even when we're misunderstood. So Father, we pray that you uh, enlighten our eyes as we read your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, here in First Peter, um, we've bumped into a, a new major section here, chapter 2, uh, verse 13 all the way to 511 is a, a part of the letter where Peter is uh, giving instructions about how to live out a, your new Christian identity in the world around us. Um, and in this major section um, that we're going to look at today, it starts in 213, stresses how to live out the new identity in Christ, and it revolves around the theme of submission. And we see submission popping up in several segments that come next. So, first, uh, uh, submission in chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. Uh, the entire community is uh, told to submit to government and officials. Uh, 2, 18 through 20 instructs household slaves to be submissive in their context. Then chapter 2, 21 through 25 um, talks about Christ's submission. Then chapter 3, verses 1 through 7 describes submission of wives and also relationship with their husbands. And then from chapter 3, verse 8 through 12, the section comes to a conclusion, once again, addressing the whole community to submit. Let's read chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. Submit to every human authority because of the Lord, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority, or to governors as those sent by him to punish those who do what is evil and to praise those who do what is good. For it is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. Submit as free people, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but as God's slaves. Honor everyone. Love the brothers and sisters. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Now, at first, I want to talk about the idea of submission, and this might cause some trouble for us. What comes to your mind when you hear that word, submission? Perhaps waving the white flag, uh, giving up in an athletic competition, you surrender, you submit to your opponent. Perhaps submissive means you're a doormat. You, uh, you're not important. You give way to the authority of somebody else without, without thinking. Perhaps submission might, in a very, very negative way, mean you're less than someone else. But in this deferring to someone else, when Peter's commanding submission, he, he's not communicating the idea that someone is not valuable. Perhaps maybe a better translation, but this would be troublesome too, is be subordinate. A sergeant is subordinate to his lieutenant, but at the same time, the sergeant is very important. In fact, the army can't run without uh, an NCO, a non-commissioned officer like that. 
Submission here does not entail inferior value or worth, but rather it's pointing to a function. In order for society to work well, we submit to one another. One area where we are to put our new identity in Christ on display is in the area of civil or or political arena. Peter argues that we should submit ourselves to every human authority, whether to the emperor or to governors. Now, this is challenging, especially in Peter's time, because Nero is most likely the emperor at the time he writes this letter. And we know historically that Nero viciously persecuted Christians. So, this raises the question, how can Christians submit to evil rulers? And how does that then lead to a witness to Christianity? So, maybe three brief points. First, though Christians are commanded to submit to the emperor or governors, this verb submit does not entail necessarily loyalty to the governing powers or the state or the particular individuals wielding the power of the state. Being subordinate to the emperor and his governors is to respect their authority and their position, to show honor uh, due all people, and nothing more. This is a way of doing what is right in the public context. Again, this does not mean loyalty, especially personal loyalty, but it means giving uh, honor due to people in their office or in their place. Peter is saying, this is right. Second, Peter then clarifies that such civil participation must be done not because the emperor takes it from you, not because you need to be a good American, but because of the Lord in verse 13. Peter says, especially when we participate in the civil realm and we submit to the emperor, we submit to a ruler, it's because of the Lord. And he continues, we are supposed to do this as free people not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but as God's slaves. That's verse 16. Christian freedom, rather than complete liberation from responsibility within the civil sphere, requires submission to human authority, yet as those who are God's slaves. This remarkable notion picks up on Israel's experience of liberation from Egypt, which was immediately followed by their quote-unquote, enslavement to God through covenant at Sinai. God's people are most free, therefore, when they are submitted to God alone. So notice, submission to a governor doesn't make any sense unless you're first submitted to God and honoring and obeying God. It's only as God's slaves can you submit to the government around us. So Christians are to experience their freedom or experience their freedom in their somewhat paradoxical status as slaves to God. Christian freedom rests not on escape from service, but on a change of master. Maybe that's a way of thinking about it. Notice in verse 17, we are to fear God, but honor the emperor. This entails a more fundamental devotion and loyalty to God. Fearing God is a more primary, worshipful respect. Honoring the emperor is giving giving due to uh, the emperor. Uh, because of his office or something like that. Uh, Loyalty is reserved for God alone, but our loyalty to God demands engagement and service. Third and finally, this service is doing good within society. Look again at verse 15. For it is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. 
Doing what is right is not merely a requirement of society or of the government. Of course, society wants you to do good. The government wants you to do good if it's a good government. But Peter is saying here that it's God's will for Christians to do good in society. Our new identity in Christ must be put on display. To be clear, in context, doing good is not merely private acts of Christian piety, praying and reading our Bibles. We should do those things, of course. But in this context, doing good, rather, are deeds that would also be generally acknowledged as good by society around us. So when Peter says, they will observe your good works in 2.12, and you will silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good in 2.15, Peter is talking about actions that everyone can agree are good, both the Christian and the non-Christian. Though Peter's Christian audience and the people in the surrounding culture are living out strikingly different values, nonetheless, Peter expects that there is enough common ground that both believers and non-believers can agree on a shared set of goods. Commentator Karen Jobes comments that this thought fits quite well with the diaspora motif in which the letter is framed, for it follows Jeremiah's instructions, seek the welfare of the city where I have set you, uh, sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in this welfare you will have welfare. That's Jeremiah 29.7. You see, our new identity in Christ demands that we seek out those good deeds and do them in submission to human authorities because of our ultimate loyalty to God. In this way, the Christian church witnesses to a watching world. 